It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. So for me as the uh, host of a public affairs radio show, it's so exciting to meet uh, individuals that help other people. Um, And that's really why we're here. That's why uh, we're on this planet, to make sure it keeps spinning and that everybody gets along and that everybody gets a shot and gets gets help from other people. And uh, I'm proud to bring on our our guest today. Uh, Our feature interview on this edition of The Adam Rich Show is Dr. Rob Bell, and you are on this planet to serve and help other people. Is that right? That's right, man. No one gets there alone. No one gets there alone. And that's not just a a saying or a tagline. That's the title of your book, your latest Mm -hmm. book. Uh, no one gets there alone. It's a team effort. Uh, I'll be honest uh, with our listeners. I have not read this yet. I just got my copy, and I thank you for signing the uh, inscription on the inside to me. Um, I'm really excited to find out what it's about and how um, how your uh, expertise as a mental conditioning coach is that. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, PhD, Dr. Rob Bell, uh, PhD in psychology and mental sports condi- psychology sports yeah. psychology yep. and mental conditioning um and this is your uh second or third appearance on on the show we've talked uh, in the past uh, it's great great to have you back um about your work with athletes um on and off the court to make sure they're in primo condition uh, mentally for for their sport and their competition um this book takes a little turn outside of the world of athletics but it still has a little flavor of athletics too. Why don't you tell us about the book? Yeah, I mean, I'm again. Everybody's an athlete. Our office is just different, and and how we approach, you know, athletics. I mean, we compete. We look at competition sometimes as perverted. We look at it against somebody else when it's really it's just against ourselves. I mean, it's me versus me, which is a whole lot more difficult competition because we know everything about our opponent. We know all the weaknesses, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we know their shortcomings, where they've messed up, and um. Our office is just different. I mean, we, we train, we practice more than we're ever more than we ever play. I mean, think about how many tennis balls a Wimbledon champ has hit in practice as opposed to just that in the Wimbledon finals. Yeah. So we practice more than we ever play. So if that's the case, then our preparation is a whole lot more important. And and what happened with this book is, I mean, the whole question is, is would you stop? You know, would you stop your own race in order to help somebody else out? And that's the question that up until when this kind of hinge moment happened, the answer was no, I wouldn't have stopped to help somebody else out. I would help people out, but only if it wasn't an inconvenience to me. And what this one stopped is now my whole awareness has changed that if we help enough people get to where they want to go, we're going to get to where we want to go. And it goes a little bit even beyond that, the fact that look, if I'm having a bad day, if I lose confidence, the way out of that isn't to focus on myself. The way out of that is to focus on other people. And if we can just help enough people out of there, then we're not even worried about our own problems anymore. Do you have an example of that? I mean, uh, you're having a bad day. You're overwhelmed. You're overworked. You feel like you're underappreciated. And uh, in that mindset, uh, yeah, you're thinking about yourself. How can I make my day better? But Absolutely. you're saying in the middle of that despair or lost feeling, you go out and help somebody else, and then your day turns around. Yeah, I mean, a few examples of that. Sure, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not, 
I'm not uh, much, but I'm all I think about. I mean, it's that sort of mentality. I yeah. mean, it's an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. And we are all we think about, right? Only on the radio station, it's just K-Rob. I mean, <laughs> what, what is on that station? All Rob, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, nobody wants to admit that, but it just happens, right? It's like, well, what, what is in it for me? I better get mine. So what happens is we develop this scarcity mindset. And the scarcity mindset, I mean, a lot of fear is in that um, because it's real. Like, there's only so many pieces of pie. If I don't get my piece of pie, then the pie is going to be gone. Yeah. Where if we can develop the abundance mindset, and the abundance mindset is simply the belief that, look, there's a piece for everybody. And just because somebody else has success does not mean I can't have success too. And the issue is, is then when we develop that scarcity mindset, we're stuck in our own issues, we're stuck in our own junk. The only way out is to focus on helping somebody else, then what happens is, is now we're giving away what we have. And we, we, we give away what we have. So if all we have is that scarcity mindset, then that's what we're going to give away. Well, if I can focus on helping somebody else out now, we're inadvertently developing the abundance mindset. And you know, I can't tell people to never ever give up and to keep trying and keep working, it will work out, and then turn around and give up myself. It doesn't work that way. I mean, it's really, really difficult to operate. And so if we can influence people, help them out with confidence, we, we get confident ourselves. And that's the way it works. Then then yeah. it starts coming back around. Then everybody makes a pie, and you get a piece of that pie too. Yeah, just because I have success does not mean other people can't have success as well. Mm-hmm. And just because other people have success doesn't mean I can't be successful. It's not a, it's not a zero-sum game. We all can can reach different heights. So this is, uh, you've mentioned off mic, this is your seventh book? Sixth. Sixth, I'm sorry. It's called No One Gets There Alone. Can't get too far ahead. Uh, Dr. Rob Bell, I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sh- as sure as we sit here, I'm pretty certain you're going to have seven books someday. When's the next one? Seriously, you're working on it already? <laughs> um, I know the title. You do? Yeah. All right, what is it? Champions Adjust. Champions Adjust. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- you know what? You have an invitation to come back on the show, and we'll talk about that book. Great. Uh, when it comes out. In six to 12 months. So for this one, though, no one gets there alone. Dr. Rob Bell, mental conditioning. This one takes a, a sort of an athletic approach to the world of business, mm-hmm. corporate America. It's a competition. You need to condition yourself. You need to practice. You need to hit more tennis balls to prepare for when you actually get in the championship game to hit the tennis balls. Um, the genesis of uh, the idea for this book. I mean, um, you know what your next book's going to be. Did you know right when your last book was released, that okay, I know what my next book's going to be about. No, did you have a conversation with a business leader who said, no. you know what, I'd really like to um, teach my employees how to blah blah blah. No. What, how did this idea pop? So what happened was, um, la- I had a uh, email came across my screen that there was going to be a half Ironman that was coming to town. So it was a one point two mile swim, fifty six mile bike, and a thirteen point one mile run. And there's only three issues with this. Number one is I hadn't been training for this type of race. Uh, number two, I didn't even own a bike, Adam. I hadn't biked in 10 years. Biking is just not my thing. And number three is this race was in two weeks. So I did what any sane person does. You right? went and bought a bike and did a, I had a, borrow a, bike. a triathlon with no training. That's right. So I, I trained. I, tra- <laughs> oh, I was so kidding. I, so and that's tra- what you did? I trained for the next 10 days, borrowed somebody's bike. Night before the race, I remember asking you know, my friend, what happens if I get a flat tire? He said, would you know how to change it? I said, uh, no, I wouldn't. 
So this race is in Indiana. You know where I'm going with this story. At mile 30 on the bike, I'm cresting the only hill in Indiana. And my back tire goes flat. I'm at the top of this hill now. I'm like a four-year-old kid. And, and the reason why I signed up for that race, because I do always like to test that theory that if we just keep moving, will we be successful? Mm-hmm. I believe it is a game of attrition. If we never stop, we will reach it. But the problem with that is, well, you just can't keep moving if you can't move. Right. And now I'm stuck with a flat tire in the middle of this race. People are cresting the hill, taking off. And I'm like, wow, that I'm not going to be able to even finish this. And just then... A guy slows down, pulls to the side, asks me if I have anything to change the tire. I said, I don't have anything. He takes his air cartridge and his tube and tosses it to me and, and takes off. And it, it's a Disney moment. Like, I'm waving to him like, I'm never going to forget you. And just as that happens, another guy pulls over to the side and says, do you know what you're doing? And I said, I have no idea. He gets off his bike and says, well, let's get you fixed. So this is a racer, somebody in his own race that stops his own race, helps somebody not prepared, not knowing what they're doing, changes my tire. And without him, my race wouldn't have been done. But what stuck then in my head was the question, would you stop? And it's, it's all I could think about. Would you stop? The answer up to that point was no, I wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with me not being a good guy. It has me thinking that it was all about me and it was all about me finishing my race. Yeah. This guy realized that there was a more important race that was about the human race. And then from that moment on, you know, it has to develop that whole awareness of would you stop has to be, has to be answered before it's even asked. Because think about it. When we're driving in life, we see somebody on the side of the road. Are we going to stop? How fast does that have to process? unless we're looking for opportunities to help people, unless we're looking for opportunities of how can I help people get to where they want to go, then we've just become so self-focused and scarcity in mindset. That's how quick it happens. That's why the book got written from that moment on. Because the whole book was going to be how to crush a half Ironman in less than two weeks. Yeah. Who's going to read that? <laughs> and that I wouldn't because I wouldn't be doing a half Ironman in two weeks. And that was not the story. The story was is if we can help enough people get to where they want to go. Would you stop? That's a great story because that's what you wrote on the inscription of this book when you gave me a copy. It says, Adam, would you stop, Dr. Yep. Rob Bell? And when I read it, uh, before we started this interview, I'm like, would you stop? Okay. Um, no, and it just, I glossed over it. I was like, okay, and no one gets there alone. And uh, that's, that story really stands out to me now. It's something I'm never going to forget. When those guys stopped, two of them, mm-hmm. one to give you the, the tube and the pump, uh, and then another one to show you how to use it. Did you? He, he did it. He did it all. Oh, he did the whole thing. Oh yeah, I wasn't gonna be able to change that. You get back on the bike and finish the race. Yep. Uh, did you? Did you see them later? Have Have they? Do they have any idea? Yeah, I was able. That to they re- touched your life in this Absolutely, manner. Yeah, I was able to reach out to both of them and let them know. And um, you know, what, what do they do for a living? I mean, they. It's just who they are as people. I mean, they're just good people. How'd you find him? I mean, at the end of the day, obviously well, finished before you did. Well, one, you know, I remember his, yeah, one, I remember his name. I started repeating it just hundreds of times in my head because I was not going to forget these people. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they got the, uh, they got the first page of the book, man, on, um, on, you know, would you stop and the huge thanks to them. So, yeah, I mean, it was big. It was big. And then just curiously, uh, because in my former life, I, I, I have run competitive races. Uh, the old age and the old hips don't allow me to anymore. But 
Um, how'd you fare after just 10 days of training? That's not even training. That's just, I mean, did it take you a week to recover? Did you lay in bed for two well, days because you couldn't walk? Yeah, you know, the difficulty, the swim really wasn't that bad. But when I got off the bike and now I have a half iron, I mean, a half marathon, uh, and those legs are heavy, um, it hurt on that last 10K because it was a two. You had to go out and do two loops. And when you're going back out for the second time, that's when it's like, all right, this is going to be very difficult. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just the legs were just weren't there, you know, so you just had to keep moving. And the way that I just kept moving, uh, old race strategies, you, you run until you set a point where, um, all right, right there at that point, then I'm going to go ahead and slow down. I'm going to go ahead and walk a hundred, hundred meters. And when you start walking, you know, if you're getting water or anything, then you set another visual target of, all right, I'm going to start running when I get to that tree. Mm-hmm. You know, the only problem with that one is boy, that walking felt so good. Mm-hmm. So I probably walked a little bit more than I wanted to, um, but I wasn't last. And, uh, you know, the competitive mindset, you just keep moving and you will finish. And that, that ended up. So the aha moment, back to that great story about uh, those two guys that stopped. They yep. stopped their race, yeah. which is counterintuitive to the, uh, you know, the, the ego, the, uh, just the human mindset that you're out for yourself. That's just a fact of, of human beings. They, they stopped their race uh, to help you out, and you have this epiphany, an aha moment. Would yep. you stop? Would you stop? Um, the genesis for this book, no one gets there alone. You would have not finished that race had it not been for them. You no. did not finish that alone. Um, how long after that did you find yourself in a, in a position where you could stop your race to help somebody else finish? Yeah, I, I mean, I started looking. I started researching examples of people that in professional circumstances that sacrifice themselves to help somebody else out, even though they could have taken advantage of it. And the amount of stories of people stopping to help are phenomenal. And the amount of people saying, boy, that's an idiot. They should never have done that. Should have taken advantage of their opportunity is also phenomenal. Hey, you got scarcity mindset or abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just how these people were wired. They did not think about it. They all answered it the same way when they were asked, why did you help that person? Like, why did you reach out to them? They all answered it the same way. They said, I don't know. Because there's not time to process that. We've got to just be already be in that mindset. And these are professional examples of uh, you know, people at, at Kona, I mean, the, the best triathlon in the world, the best Ironman in the world, and people helped out their competitors, even though they ended up losing the race because of them. Uh, and it's just, you know, I look at it all the time now of like, how can I just help somebody else out in just daily life? It's awesome stuff. Dr. Rob Bell, I'll tell you this. If I ever do a triathlon, I'm going to have to have every single person in the race stop their race to help me. That's right. <laughs> every single one of them. Yeah. And it can even be, and that's the thing, like it was even like a race uh, not too long ago I was doing and a guy started walking, you know, and, yeah. and I made it a point, like I have to cross over here. I've got to, uh, you know, grab hold of him and, and start running with me, you know, start running. And, and that right away. You can't have somebody that tells you, all right, come on, you got to pick it up, and then just not answer the call. They answer the call, and then they start running. But if I didn't help them out, I wouldn't have known. So it's that, it's that piece. And imagine approaching life that way. Like, if we didn't have to be selfish at all, if we knew that we were going to get the results, if we just helped out enough people, how, how things would work out. And if our whole focus was, who can I help out today? And... Boy, it just gets us out of our own head and it gets mm-hmm. us into that abundance mindset and just helping people. So that abundance mindset, 
stopping your race to help somebody else in a triathlon, an athletic event, those that mentality is in this book transferred into the business world, into Absolutely. corporate America. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, your job, your life, your, your, your career, uh, it's a competition. They say it's, uh, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah. So that's what the book's about. Uh, we encourage you to check it out on uh, Amazon. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, you get it on Amazon. All my no books one, are on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. It's your sixth book, seventh on the way. Uh, this is called No One Gets There Alone by Dr. Rob Bell. Uh, a pleasure to have you on the show again. Thanks, Adam. Before I let you get out of here, let our listeners know uh, your digital properties, Twitter, Facebook, website. Sure. Whatever. Yeah, drrobbell.com is a website. They can get the books there and then... Just at Dr. Rob Bell. That's Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Well, if you want to train for a 5K, I might be able to muster up three miles in these old hips. Sure. I can't get there alone, man. Just don't stop. You'll finish. (laughs) Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, technically. And welcome back to The Adam Ritz Show. We scour the uh, country to bring you stories of inspiration and uh, foundation work, charities, uh, philanthropies. And today I'm proud. I mean, I'm so proud and happy to be outside the continental United States. We are on the Norwegian cruise line getaway in the middle of the Caribbean between St. Martin and St. Thomas, the Adam Rich Show coming to you from... uh, um, actually, it, it's a tropical paradise, and I'm proud to bring on the show as our guest, um, cruise director here at Norwegian Cruise Lines, The Getaway. It's Joel Sanchez. Joel, hi, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you, Adam, for having me here. I can't thank, en- thank you enough for your time uh, to talk to us uh, about your work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, with the kids on board here. But before we get to that, uh, my knowledge and my point of reference for a cruise director, and I know you've heard this a million times, is um, Julie from The Love Boat, and I'm sure all the guests here on the ship they think julie love boat i've seen you on this ship i haven't seen you hold uh a clipboard once or do anything that julie did on that show the love boat you are you're an entertainer you're you're is cruise director synonymous with entertainment director? I mean, you are on the stages and entertaining. You are making this fun for everybody. I mean, that's pretty much what it is now. Uh, that's why usually I introduce myself. A lot of people don't know what a cruise director actually does. So a lot of the times I say I'm the director of entertainment as well. But it goes hand in hand with what you just said. It's it's about getting out there, having fun with the guests. Uh, you know, you become a performer, a dancer, a comedian. Uh, I mean, you name it, most of the time we have to do it, and uh, that's that's what it is now. So it's no longer the clipboard holder, and uh, as you can tell, I'm, I am a male. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's not, uh, I just would assume cruise director would be, you're the person with the clipboard that tells your guests what time shuffleboard is. And you, I mean, there's 20 stages on this ship, and you're on every single stage through the course of the day hosting uh, Sexy Legs Contest for the guys, uh, and I did say for the guys, um, and then there's game shows you do, you're, you're dancing, you're hosting 80s retro dance parties. Uh, what's your favorite part of your job? Um, honestly, it's definitely the hosting of the parties. Uh, I mean, that always gets me going. I love seeing everybody out on the dance floor, uh, having a great time, seeing the smiles on people's faces is definitely the highlight of, of, my, of my job. And uh, I mean... 
I, I feed off the energy of everyone else. So when the energy is nice and high and positive, I am having a fantastic day. And honestly, that's most of the time, every single day of the week, uh, I, I'm getting that, that vibe. And if I'm not getting it, then I'm not doing my job right. So then I always have to uh, tweak things here and there. But uh, for the most part, that's honestly uh, hosting the parties, uh, getting people going is definitely my highlight. Well, the whole world's jealous of you. You've got the job we all want. Cruise director on a, on a ship through the Caribbean. It's Norwegian Cruise Lines. We're on the getaway. Our guest is Joel Sanchez, and we want to talk about your work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, one of the greatest charities uh, in the world, and your kids, the Make-A-Wish kids that get on board. Uh, you see to it that they have a good time. What can you tell us about that? Absolutely. I mean, uh, as you said, we try to make make them feel as special as possible. Um, and there's a few things that we actually do. They, our Make-A-Wish kids do get options of what they would prefer to do. So we, we give them a full list, and especially on my side for the entertainment side, uh, a lot of different options that they do receive. Uh, you know, a lot of kids sometimes aspire to be performers, actors, uh, singers, and dancers. So some of the things that really, really kind of stand out, uh, we have some great world-class entertainment here on board, uh, such as Burn the Floor, Legally Blonde, the musical. And what we do is actually have the kids, uh, once they watch the show, they can stay after and they get to meet all the cast members they get to take a, a photo with just themselves with all the cast members in costume which is really really unique there's only a handful of individuals who actually get that kind of an opportunity and we always extend that to our Make-A-Wish uh, kids and uh, you can tell in their face how happy and how excited they do get when they have that opportunity and that actually expands not only from our shows uh, as I mentioned Burn the Floor Legally Blonde but we also have our Illusionarium show here on board where they can get a chance to meet all the magicians as well and uh, it, it's really really a very unique experience. Seeing a smile on a kid's face warms your heart. Seeing a smile on a Make-A-Wish kid's face is, uh, there's nothing better than that. And you were telling me about the uh, tie-in with Nickelodeon, this ship, the uh, the kids area, the, the kids swimming pool, like, I don't know what you call that, the water play area, the water park. Um, there's SpongeBob and Patrick Starfish is out there. Um, first of all, just curious, what's the tie-in between Nickelodeon and Norwegian Cruise Line? Well, Norwegian, and, uh, Norwegian Cruise Line and Nickelodeon has partnered up just to bring a, a different experience on the high seas and uh and it is it's it's absolutely amazing we have some great nickelodeon events programming that's available to all our kids out there and uh even for our make-a-wish uh families that do come on board we do give them an, an additional extra event so a lot of times we have some events known as uh nickelodeon uh poolside nick live poolside and uh a kid will get slimed up in front of everyone and uh most of the time to be it is awesome right you've seen it on tv before so we make it happen here uh on the cruise ship and um out of you know sometimes you have four or five hundred kids out there to get selected but we always make sure that our make-a-wish kid gets selected and if they're not they're not into being in front of that big crowd well then we do a private sliming for them where we bring that that uh exact event to just them, to the family that uh, that they're there with, of course, and uh, and it's a unique experience. So they get slimed uh, on their own. They get the pictures uh, and the memories to go along with that. And uh, you know, if they have some, as you mentioned, SpongeBob or Patrick, or you know, we have uh, Dora and Diego. If if any of these characters are their favorite characters, we'll make sure that either. 
they get woken up one day, one morning by their favorite character, kind oh, of just stop cool. stopping by uh, their stateroom, or they have a private meet and greet where they could, uh, you know, just take some great photos and uh, have that type of experience. How, now, wait a minute. You're telling me that the, the SpongeBob uh, mascot, the character, that giant square outfit can fit through the hallways and through a doorway of a stateroom here? <laughs> Believe it or not, we've made it happen. Uh, yes, he does walk sideways, <laughs> but uh, we find one way or another to make it happen. That's fantastic. Uh, the work with Make-A-Wish. Uh, if you know a Make-A-Wish family, uh, look into NorwegianCruiseLines.com. It's probably, I think it's NCL.com because um, this put a smile on anybody's face, especially a Make-A-Wish kid. And also disaster relief that Norwegian Cruise Lines works with. You were mentioning Katrina and some of the tsunamis around the world. I mean, you're obviously involved with the high seas and uh, NCL, Norwegian Cruise Lines, has uh, funding for those kind of uh, efforts as well. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen a, a lot of times when uh, disasters do strike, uh, the company will send out memos uh, fleet-wide just mentioning especially to all the families that are affected, which a lot of our, a lot of where the tsunamis usually hits, a lot of our crew members are, are from uh, heavily from the Philippines, Indonesia, uh, so forth and so on. So they will always send out memos letting, uh, letting passing along the information as to what was donated of course our condolences to the families that were uh, directly affected but i have i've I have been thoroughly impressed on the amount of support that the company does uh, provide to the crew members especially uh, for the family members that are back home we love meeting companies that get involved and make this uh, planet a better place, and Norwegian Cruise Lines is one of them. Joel Sanchez is our guest, cruise director here on the Getaway, one of the ships of the uh, NCL, Norwegian Cruise Lines um, fleet. And uh, before I let you go, I want to just have some curious questions from being on this ship. Sure. Uh, when we're in the middle of the deep blue sea, how deep is the water? Uh, I mean, at times, uh, I've heard up to fifteen to 25,000 feet. Oh, my gosh. So it's yes. uh, no no deep diving right here yeah. for you. <laughs> um, okay, I saw a couple service dogs. Uh, when we're uh, a day at sea and we're nowhere near a tree, where do these service dogs go? Yeah, we have, uh, they, they, <laughs> funny enough, I mean, uh, we do have special uh, containers and boxes that are available for them uh, near their stateroom. They're kept in uh, in crew only area of course you don't want to see that kind of hanging around in uh, in our guest corridors uh but the guests are aware of where they can take the dogs and uh i mean for the most part these dogs are very well trained so they will not go unless they're in a, a special uh box per se uh if you may but we do have uh we do have it for them okay all right <laughs> Uh, how long are you on this ship, and when you get off of it, where do you go on vacation? So my contracts are four months on, four months on board, and then two months off. Uh, so it's not a bad gig, you know, yeah. being able to kick back, relax for uh, eight weeks, not doing anything. Yes. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. And back home is New Jersey, North Jersey for me. So on vacation, you work in the Caribbean, and on vacation, you go to Jersey. That's right. That's that's my vacation, <laughs> funny enough, right? <laughs> that's so crazy. Uh, Joel Sanchez. Joel, I'm sorry. Joel Sanchez, our guest and cruise director on Norwegian Cruise Lines, the getaway. Uh, yacht rock. Have you heard that term, yacht rock? I actually have not. Okay. We, uh, we also do a show... Uh, covering Yacht Rock. It's a music-intensive show, and it's it's basically the smooth sounds of the late 70s, early 80s, um, Doobie Brothers, uh, Chicago, uh, Steely Dan, Hall & Oates. It's the kind of music you'd listen to if you were a millionaire on your yacht right. uh, in the late 70s. Um, I just have to, have to ask you, um, between Steely Dan, Hall & Oates, Chicago, and the Doobie Brothers, which 
one of those yacht rock kings would you prefer? I might have to go with Steely Dan with that one. Okay, and you're a younger guy. Um, do those artists ring any bells for you? I, I, I need to know, as a, as a connoisseur of yacht rock, I need to know if your generation is getting into this music. Because everything's cyclical, and it comes around, and you know, you're hosting the 80s parties and the 70s parties, and you know, when some Steely Dan comes on, it, it gets your, 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 ta- your, 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 your show, your toe tap, your, your show, your toe tapping. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, for uh, everyone will be different. Uh, my generation, I mean, I was born in the 80s, but I connect very heavily to the music of even the 50s and 60s. I love swing music. I love, you know, I, the 70s is one of my favorite eras. I mean, uh Nothing wrong with putting on an afro, some platform shoes, <laughs> rocking out some bell bottoms. You know, I absolutely love it. Uh, but for me, I, of course, because I'm, I'm working with such high demographics, it's, it's almost not a choice uh, to be in, in, my, in my generation, in a sense. Uh, I have to be somewhat more diverse. And, uh, and honestly, the reason where I am and who I am today is because I enjoy that diversity. So yes, do I love my top 40s and, and uh, the, the, new, uh, the new style music of, of the new generation? Absolutely. But I connect very heavily and thoroughly enjoy, uh, you know, from the 50s and 60s, 70s, 80s, absolutely. Any day of the week, I can rock out to that. Well, you're an entertainer as well as cruise director. I can see you going somewhere in Hollywood or in the music industry. You dance, great. Uh, is there a personal digital profile that our listeners can look at for you, a Facebook or Twitter that you like to push out? Well, I'm, I am on uh, Facebook, uh, Joel Sanchez or Jersey Boy. That, uh, that's my uh, synonymous nickname here on board. Uh, so definitely uh, you could uh, follow me on there. Love to uh, always love getting new followers and uh, just putting out information. It's uh, The industry is enormous and... You know, hopefully we'll see where, where I go from here. Well, you've made my trip on this ship a lot of fun, and we thank you also uh, for your work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and for disaster relief. It's Joel Sanchez. Thank you so much for your time. Adam, thank you for having me. It was great. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.